2: Welcome, man. This is GC Live Friday episode of the show. He is Colin Taylor. I am Wes Mitchell. This show is brought to you, as always, by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammon.com, 803-771-6933. Tell you a little bit more about Clint later on in the show and about one of our newest sponsors. But, Colin, man, we've got a lot to get to. Um, obviously, baseball, uh, the renewing of the uh, what, what most would say is one of the best, if not the best, rivalry in college baseball, South Carolina versus Clemson this weekend. Uh, a massive game for Frank Martin and the men's basketball team on Saturday against Auburn. Uh, the women's basketball program actually right now as we go live, as we record, um, as well as at halftime, of their uh, SEC tournament game with Arkansas. And then, um, you know, if we have time, I want to talk a little bit about the football transfers talking to the media early this week for the first time as well. So lots of stuff to get to, man. But uh, let's start with baseball and the news that that no Gamecock fan wanted. I, I think it was sort of maybe people were fearing the, the worst, uh, and, and that ended up being confirmed a little bit earlier this week. Um, not the news South Carolina wanted going into what it will be their biggest series of the season so far as they are without another top-line pitcher.
3: Yeah, this is, this is a pitching staff that we, we went into it, you know, as as media, probably as a coaching staff saying, listen, we don't have a lot of depth, and if we get injuries, then it's going to be really tough to just trot out the, the level of arms we need to and the experienced arms we need to, and uh, James Hicks goes down two weeks into the season, two starts into the season with Tommy John. He's having that today. I don't know if that was this this morning or afterwards, but... He'll have Tommy John today out for the year. Julian Bosnick still hasn't begun his throwing program with that flexor strain. Josiah Seitler likely won't pitch this weekend with a um, what they're calling kind of an elbow issue. Um, He does. Kingston doesn't think it's long-term, but this is now a staff that you went from having three or four frontline guys. You felt good about starting to now three of those four being out with Will Sanders, the lone guy healthy at the moment. So not good for South Carolina. The series maybe has lost a little bit of steam because of that, but it's still South Carolina Clemson and uh, weirder things have happened in this series. And and I'm excited to see South Carolina against another, I mean, Clemson has been pretty good this year. So excited to see him go up against uh, a team that will likely have postseason aspirations.
2: Well, and, and man, you know, that, that's, that's baseball for you. Like as far as, um, you know, is it going to be the, the some of the marquee names that, that maybe we thought it would be um, if you were drawing out the the lineup before the season started? Obviously not. But, you know, you you kind of know going into a season, you're going to need some guys to step up, right? You know, at some point, guys are going to have to step up. Now, if you're Mark Kingston and you're the coaching staff, you're hoping it's not this many guys and this early on in the season. Right. Right? No, nobody drew it up. Uh, like this, I, I feel like every staff or every coaching staff, all you know, you always probably go in saying, well, at some point, we're going to need to get more out of this guy or, or more out of that guy. When that time comes, you just hope it's not March the 4th, um, you know, of a baseball season that is a couple of weeks old at, at this point, man. So um, what can you tell us? I, I mean, obviously, Will Sanders is, is going tonight. So key for the Gamecocks, in my opinion, to win the game that he is throwing in. You know, like I, if if it's me, and let let's start right there with that thought. If it's me, I'm pulling out all the stops to take a dub in game one. And people may be saying, "Well, you should always try to win every game," but in baseball, you sometimes do have to take a big picture approach. You you know how you manage your pitching, how you manage the game situation. Sometimes you do take a little bit more of a series approach. Um, but if it's me and I have – if I see the opportunity to win this game, I'm I'm diving all in for it if I'm Mark Kingston.
3: Oh, absolutely. And it, getting off and winning – not only there, but winning at Founders Park with another game in Columbia coming up the next day at Segra is, is so vitally important. And you need – with so many question marks on Saturday and Sunday in terms of who's even going to start the baseball game – uh, let alone who's going to pitch in it, you need to to get off to a good start today. And, and Will Sanders is the guy you want out there doing it. And the, the question then becomes uh, how deep can he go? Can he navigate a, what's been a very, very potent Clemson offensive lineup? And um, that's the hope. But as you like break things down and look at some of the these stats – this is shaping up to be a pitcher's duel. Um, Will Sanders is obviously first round potential, obviously a, a, an insane competitor, and then they got a lefty Mac Anglin who's uh, given up one hit in ten innings. Um, I think one hit, five walks, fourteen strikeouts in ten innings, uh, no earned runs. So it's going to shape up to be if if you can find a way to move a runner over late in the game and get him in, or you know, come up with a timely hit you got a chance to win, you need to take it because, you know, it's going to be few and far between as you try to navigate the rest of the series with a really thin bullpen.
2: Yeah. And you, you never want to go into a series. And I'm looking at your, your preview article right now. I would encourage everyone else to head on over there, and check it out on GamecockCentral.com. Um, Clemson has three starters listed. Uh, now one of them, Nick Clayton does not have pretty numbers at this point, but it is early mm-hmm. in the season, but you never, you never want to go into a series with two TBA listings, you know, and, and, uh, obviously obviously th- that's a bad sign. Like that, that's your, there's your sign. Something has gone yeah. terribly wrong. Um, ha- have you heard anything, Colin, on what to expect as far as who might be in the running for those two starting spots? I know that's always going to come with the caveat of what happens tonight. Sundays, you know, could be determined by what happens on Saturday, but That being said, any expectations, anything you've heard as far as who might get the ball um, Saturday at Segra and then in Clemson on Sunday?
3: Yeah, um, I don't think the staff fully knows. (laughs) I think they have a really good idea of who might get the ball, but it depends on, hey, if, you know, Wes Sweat and Kate Austin are probably my two guesses right now as the starters. But, listen, if there's a situation where, you know, you need a ground ball and West sweat is your best ground ball pitcher in, in the eighth inning and you got Caden Grice up to bat. Do you not pitch West sweat and go with him, you know, someone else or how does that work? And, uh, West sweat might be a guy that's better on Friday, Sunday availability instead of just for a Saturday start. So, uh, that's the kind of mentality I think they're approaching it with, but if we're really going to break it down, West sweat's a name that probably is in consideration for that. Um, Noah Hall has started before in his career at App State and could potentially slide into that role. Uh, and Kate Austin has started his he started the second game of the doubleheader, game three of the series against GW. And um, it seems like one of the, like if I'm handicapping and I'm probably putting Kate Austin as one of the likeliest of those three to to slide in there and then pick your poison for the next one. But I, I think Kate Austin starting either at Segra or or at Clemson on Sunday is probably a, a good bet.
2: Yeah, and again, um, hey, here's the opportunity. Go, yeah. go, see what you can do with it, right? I mean, uh, there's some pressure in that, clearly, but sometimes this is when guys respond and and maybe they find something, maybe they uh, maybe they take the opportunity and run with it. So certainly, uh, that's what makes sports fun and interesting. I, I think outside looking in, man, you'd probably I would probably give Clemson the advantage in this series, but. Uh, the beauty is we're, we're going to get to go see how it plays out. And South Carolina does have two games in Columbia, one in their home park and one right down the road. It being announced earlier today, uh, the second of those at Segar Park is officially sold out. Colin, what do you think of playing the game at that facility? I personally, as someone who lives in Columbia, think that it's awesome. Um, cool opportunity for the guys. They got to play in Charlotte uh, you know, earlier this week. Beautiful ballpark there. Um, I think Segra is a beautiful ballpark. They've done a, they did a great job as far as that goes. Um, what What do you think of just the opportunity for them to play here in a different facility and sort of going back and forth? Sometimes it's at Greenville, sometimes it's here.
3: Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's the most unique rivalry when it comes to that. Uh, normally, you get these rivalries that are either all at home or on the midweek, and and you just don't, don't get the same level of competition, same level of feel that you would. Uh, in a weekend series and to have it you know in minor league parks each team gets a home game I would like to see it maybe dip up into um, the the Charleston area where it's been played before but that's, I know that's a lot of travel but uh, it's it's great for the state it's awesome to have it in, in kind of unique locations and then each team getting a home game so um, the more you can do it the better uh, I'll be putting some miles on the car this weekend to do it but uh, it's it's a lot of fun when you get to do this every year and get to experience a game at Clemson or um, you know a night game at Founders Park with with that kind of energy around it.
2: The Charleston matchup uh, when they had it down there. I'm Trying to think of how long ago that was. It has been a while, right? Was it just was it just one time they've done that?
3: I can't remember. I was I wasn't on the beat at that point, but yeah, it's been a while. And the issue is like you can't force Clemson to play in Clemson on a Friday drive all the way to Charleston and then drive all the way back to Columbia to drive all the way back to Clemson. You'd have to start it Friday in Charleston, work yourself back up to Columbia and then end in Clemson. So um, it's just – it's a lot of travel for that. and um, I think that's one of the big reasons why they don't do it.
2: Yeah, but from what I remember, it was was really, really cool, really well attended, great atmosphere. Um, I'm with you. I'd love to see them find a way – even if it's not, uh, even if they're not that often in the rotation, but just f- find a way to get it to SC scout guy chiming in saying, um, you know, we'd love to see it at Myrtle beach one year, uh, maybe Florence or something. You know, I think I, I like the way it is now, but if you could somehow rotate in at a little bit lesser rate, some of the other spots, you know, around the state, I'd, I'd be down with that. I think that would be cool. I think it, it gives it, like you said, it's, it's a unique thing for this rivalry. And and there's a lot of people who maybe don't want to make the trip to Clemson or to Columbia, but would be able to go to the games otherwise. And anytime you can showcase this rivalry, um, Clay chiming in on Facebook saying he was there, it was fantastic. Anytime you can showcase it, that's awesome. Uh, Colin, give me me a couple of keys for South Carolina this week, and then everybody else can go read the rest on GamecocksCentral.com because you do have a keys to victory for the Gamecocks article that is posted on the front page.
3: Yeah, um, get out to a fast start. I I mentioned the fact that winning Friday does a lot for you. Um, You need to do that. You need to navigate Clemson's middle of the order. I mean, that's, I think they've scored 40 of the 90 runs and driven in 47 of the 90 runs Clemson scored. So you need to navigate. You're their three, four, five, six hole hitters. Um, They've been better um, in recent games hitting with runners on hitting with runners in scoring positions. So you have to continue to do that when you get opportunities, um, which is something last year's team didn't do um, a lot of. And at the end of the day, you just need to get pitching out of your bullpen. You know, now your number your number one and number two options in your bullpen are going to be your, your number two and number three starters. So if you were the fifth option in the bullpen, now you're number three in the bullpen or something like that. So um, you need to find a way to get consistent bullpen play and, um, if you can get that, then you have a good chance to win. And if not, it, it, it might be a struggle because of, of how thin things are. And, and Clemson looks to be uh, – I'm not saying they're going to Omaha, but they look to be a really good team that can um, win some games in the postseason. And I know South Carolina fans don't like hearing that, but uh, this is a this is a good Clemson team at the start of the season. And um, they have a lot of different ways they can beat you.
2: Yeah, so it'll be fun to watch. Um, we'll see how it plays out, Colin, and everybody can check that out the complete coverage of it on GamecockCentral.com throughout the weekend. Um, Let's shift gears a little bit to men's basketball. Colin, I believe you're making the trip, right? You're going to be in Auburn. So this has become – I mean, I think during – as we've kind of profiled the last week or so, last two weeks of the season, we've always kind of circled this game and said what it would mean for Frank Martin and the team and their tournament hopes is really what we're talking about with this. If they could somehow find a way to to win this game, and uh, I believe we probably at the time were saying, can they split Alabama and Auburn? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, obviously they're not able to win it all. Win yeah, the Alabama game. Now you go into the Auburn game, <laughs> and we we all, I think, realistically. Everybody knows it's going to be tough, but um, you have a scouting report up. What uh, what can you tell us about this Auburn team? Is there is there a glimmer of hope for a South Carolina dub on Saturday?
3: Glimmer is a, a good way to put it, um, and that's no dis, and that's no disrespect to South Carolina. If, if I don't think South South Carolina's not a bad basketball team. Um, They just need to beat upper on SEC teams. They haven't done that this year. But um, Auburn's really, really good. Uh, Top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, Top 15, they were number 10 in the net yesterday. I haven't looked today. I mean, they're they're really good. And they have a a lottery pick, a top five pick, maybe the first overall pick in Jabari Smith, Uh, maybe SEC player of the year in Walker Kessler. Um, and two really good guards that make things happen, and um, if you're South Carolina, you you hang on the fact that, listen, we were coming off COVID and and got down a little too much too early in that first game at home. Um, We were competitive in the second half, and and we put on these runs, and it was just that really bad first half that held us down. Now we're at full strength, um, no COVID issues. You know, we can run with these guys, and A lot of it's going to depend on how they contain Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson who when uh, Auburn is struggling when they have struggled it's been at times because the guards have largely played inefficient so if you're Jermaine Cousinard, if you're James Reese if you're Eric Stevenson, can you contain those guys and really inhibit them from running good offense and getting the ball to a guy like Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler and if they can, then they have a chance to hang around. Um, if not, then um, <laughs> then it, it might not happen for South Carolina. And and Armour's got a lot to play for. A win Saturday gives them the SEC regular season title outright, um, and would I mean obviously cement them as probably a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And it's senior day, and and there's just they haven't lost at home this year. So uh, if South Carolina is going to win this one. They're, they're really going to earn it.
2: Let, let, let's play the what if game, Kyle.
3: My favorite game.
2: Yes. What, what if the Gamecocks pull this off? Obviously, you've done a lot of the legwork already as far as looking at their resume. Uh, the the net has been a big topic of conversation among South Carolina Ooh. fans. Um, some interest. I, I saw a great graphic on Twitter. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who posted it, but basically it was all these teams with similar records to South Carolina. And it was like every South Carolina was pretty much better in almost every category. But then the net, um, hated South Carolina, essentially. the Whatever the algorithm is there hates South Carolina's style. I feel like, and, um, hates the way that they, they play essentially, um, from a mathematical standpoint, but, what what would this win do, in your opinion, for South Carolina's bubble hopes? Um, I, I know that's hard to say because it depends on what other teams do as well, but are when ESPN starts talking about the bubble on Sunday, if South Carolina has won on Saturday, is South Carolina in that conversation, you think, or no?
3: Personally, I think so. Now, I wish I could explain the net to you. I really do, and I feel like I have a really good grasp of it. Um, I
2: was hoping you could actually. Yeah, no,
3: I, I can tell you why the ranks so it's it's net efficiency margin. So the games they win, they do it close. Uh, the games they lose, they don't lose close. South Carolina does not lose close games. If it's close late, they're going to win a game. I mean, just the way that's been all season. So that's why it's so low. But when you talk about what this does for the bubble, anytime you beat a top five team in the AP poll, top 10 team in the net on the road, Uh, people's ears perk up. Uh, It would give South Carolina 17 win or no, it'd be 18 wins in terms of the the NCAA tournament resume, um, 19 total wins on the year with the Allen win. So that would help. They would then, if things stay status quo in the net, in terms of quad one teams, quad two teams, they'd be three and seven and five and two in the first two quadrants. So a combined, I guess that'd be, 10-9 and um, or 8-9 and in the first two quadrants, so um, I don't know. It's been a long week, so I don't know if I'm doing my math right, but in short, it would help. Uh, I don't think it would surge them up 40 spots in the net, but I think it would certainly help their at-large case, and their strength of schedule and strength of record would both jump up tremendously uh, if they're able to go in there and, and do what no team this year has been able to do against Auburn.
2: Yeah, that game at 1 o'clock, SEC Network, of course, again, on Saturday, March 5th. Um, I just looked on ESPN, man. Tickets are listed on there as going as low as $133. So I, I always think that little thing that, that pops up on the schedule there uh, that, that's sort of implemented on ESPN as kind of an indicator, what's the excitement level like from fans trying to go to this game? I can't imagine there's been many times in Auburn's history where tickets were going on the secondary market for that much, and that's the low. So yeah. that that tells you what type of atmosphere you're probably going to see um, at, at that arena tomorrow afternoon, Kyle.
3: It's going to be bonkers. Um, and, and like I said, they got things to play for. This is an Auburn team that's been – They've won at home, but it's not like they've played a lot of close games at home. They've blown people out at home. Um, it's a great home court environment, great atmosphere for SEC basketball. And it's to couple that with the, the final game at Auburn Arena for the year. And you're playing for an outright SEC title. South Carolina's is go, going go to go have to go in there and earn everything they get at Auburn. And um, I like the team that they have. Um if they can stick to what they've been good at and be good at the things that have gotten them to this point, they have a chance to keep it close. And if you keep it close, you never know what happens. But this is a really, really, really good Auburn team. And um, it's going to be tough sled for South Carolina.
2: Yeah, uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index also giving Auburn a 95.7% chance to win this game. Ken, so, Palm,
3: Ken Palm favored South Carolina a little bit more. They have an eight percent chance. Uh, okay, well, you know,
2: so we'll, we'll go with we'll go with Ken Palm then. Uh, if you're a Gamecock fan, you're looking for a little sliver of hope. There it is. But hey, you, cra- crazier things have absolutely yep. happened. It's not impossible. Is it likely? Obviously not. But um, is it? Could it happen? Yes. So, and and that's why Colin will be there to to cover it and bring you. All the information on GamecockCentral.com. Before we turn our page here to football, I want to tell everybody about our newest uh, sponsor here. That is Liberty Tax right here in Columbia, 803-462-5576. This is obviously tax time, so overcome your taxiety. Taxiety is the uncertain feeling that you get right before you do your taxes. You're unsure. You want to make sure you do them right. You want to make sure the IRS does not call you. Uh, Check out our friends right here at uh, Liberty Tax Locations in Irmo, Lexington, and South Carolina. Uh, they've got a new location at 551 St. Andrews Road, Columbia 2910. And, uh, by the way, if you want to do them online, you want to do them virtual, that's an option. You want to go in person, that's an option. And they are open on weekends and open late. So shout out to my man Larry for uh, being a sponsor for us right here on GC Live. Colin, did you do your taxes yet, or are you still holding off, man? Not yet. We have not
3: done them yet. So, uh, that's that's coming up soon.
2: Yeah, you, you got to get on that. Uh, you, got, you got a little over a month, but yeah. uh, time, time flies, man. We're about to be in spring practice, so.
3: Don't even mention spring practice at this point. I don't yeah, know. it will be
2: here. <laughs> Colin, you got to call 803-462-5576. Make sure you give out the right number, Wes. Um, and, uh, and they will take care of you. Tell them that GC Live sent you. Let, let's talk a little football, Colin. Uh, this will probably be a little bit of an abbreviated show, y'all. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the transfers who spoke, obviously, on Wednesday. Uh, first time they spoke to the assembled media. And Spencer Rattler, n- no surprise, but, um, you know, considering our interactions with him, I I was just impressed at how Spencer Rattler seems to walk that line between – you can tell he's been humbled by what happened at Oklahoma. You can tell there's a chip on his shoulder about proving um, who he is and what he's about at at South Carolina. There's also still just that kind of innate confidence. Like, he kind of exudes, in my opinion, a certain level of confidence that is just apparent. There's kind of an air about him. What? Let's start with Spencer. What was your takeaway – from what Spencer Rattler had to say. And I love the the word he used, Colin, refreshed. He says, he's refreshed about his time at South Carolina.
3: Yeah, I I drew the same exact conclusions. Um, He seemed refreshed. He seemed kind of like revitalized. Uh, You could tell how hard last year was for him uh, and how much he might have maybe necessarily didn't agree with all that that went down. Uh, He made a couple comments that – you know, he didn't think he was playing poorly. He didn't think he was um, really doing anything that to warrant getting benched and did anyway. And and I think he found a landing spot where uh, the team needs him. <laughs> the team needs more quarterbacks and, and more really good quarterbacks in that room. And uh, he's really excited about what they can do in the system. And, and he's very it's a it's a quiet confidence. I noticed about him where it's. He knows he's got talent and now it's just a matter of earning his teammates respect, developing that bond with his offensive line, his receivers, and and really turning into one of the leaders on the team. And and I think that he's just he's gonna keep his head down and um, he might have you know gotten caught up in, in some of the, the hype around Oklahoma and him and the NLI stuff early and and it all you know didn't go the way he planned at Oklahoma. So I think he's he understands the journey a little bit more this year, and, and I think that's really gonna benefit him.
2: Yeah, man, and I, I think um, I, I was kind of in. I was interested to hear his answer when he was asked about going all the way back to the Netflix show. Yeah. And you know, man, I I think a lot of people because if you're just watching from the outside looking in, you you just see the headlines about the guy, right? Like you see he got benched. You might see, you know, you might have caught a little bit of the show on Netflix when he was 17 years old. Right. Yeah. And and that's your impression of him. Yeah. Um, You know, that's it it was clear he was a kid goofing off with his friends um, and and that it sort of got skewed a little bit in the Netflix show. And, you know, in our dealings with him, uh, you know, with the Garnet Trust interview, just uh, chatting with him otherwise, and then what you saw from him on on Wednesday – he I believe he has a maturity about him where he he to me, he carries himself sort of like a professional athlete. Yeah, like I, well, I think
3: I got that too. I,
2: I think he has learned um how big the platform he is on really is. He's seen the 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 positive of being who he is. And he's seen the hey, my own fans at Oklahoma are booing me out of the stadium. He's seen the other side of it. And I think when an athlete kind of experiences all that it just gives them a little bit more of an understanding of exactly the stage that they are on and uh, so I I've been impressed man it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to, to watch him this spring I hope we actually get to to see some some real practice time because I know the fans are incredibly mm-hmm. excited about hearing how he looks but I, I he he seems to be just settled and and confident, but comfortable with this new opportunity he has?
3: I think he's like – certainly there's pressure. Anytime you are a starting quarterback in the SEC, there's there's certainly pressure. He just doesn't come off as someone – the pressure's at Oklahoma. Like, there was a pressure to win college football playoffs. And not that there's not here, but like he – I think he got caught up in that, that he needed to go out there and be all world and – the Heisman favorite. And I just think here he's like, listen, I'm just here to ball. I'm here to have fun with my friends I'm here to play really well. I'm here to win some games, but all the other stuff about, you know, all that's going to fall where it may, we just have to work now. And, and I think that that's kind of the, the approach he's taken. I don't think he's necessarily feeling a lot of outside external pressure that, you know, maybe he might've felt at Oklahoma. And I think that that's, that's good for South Carolina. And I think that that's something that's going to be, Interesting to watch as you get into spring, and then obviously the off season before the season begins in in August, September.
2: I think some of the fan base, Colin, didn't even really want to believe that Spencer is high on Marcus Satterfield.
3: Yeah,
2: weird. You know, like I I think he truly is excited about the opportunity to learn some of the concepts that he will, if he's if he's going to be a top NFL quarterback, that he will have to sort of understand at that level as well. And when he first came over, um, when he first committed to South Carolina and it started going around that that was part of the reason, I think some people kind of just, yeah, they they brushed it off. Yeah. There's
3: no chance.
2: Yeah. But um, it seems to legitimately be part of the equation for him. Yeah.
3: And Shane Beamer is obviously the, the link that, first caught Spencer's attention. Um, yeah. the link him and stog obviously, but you don't commit to a place without talking to the offensive coordinator, being, you know, understanding the system you're walking into because fit and comfortability was so important for him. Um Sat understands offense. He under you know, he's been around Matt Rule. He worked in the NFL. He understands what an offense that's designed to get you to the next level and be at the next level looks like and Um, Was it perfect last year? No. Was it downright bad at different times last year? Absolutely. But um, you saw signs. You saw things that they were trying to do from a schematic standpoint, and and some of that stuff just didn't work uh, or work the way it needed to. And I think getting an athlete like Spencer Rattler in certainly elevates the offense. Um, Returning pieces like uh, Bell and Marshawn Lloyd and Juju and and the pieces they're adding – will certainly help. And I think that that was a big appeal to Spencer Rattler that, Hey, come play with these pieces in the sec and in a system that will teach you once you get into the NFL, how to hit the ground running. So where the, the learning curve is not as steep as, as maybe some other guys coming from, you know, the, the air raid through you know, aired out, spread them out kind of offense.
2: Let's talk about maybe another guy or two, Colin, anything else just catch your eye, catch your attention. Um, Obviously, I know you're you're going to be high on Terrell Dawkins. Just oh, that dude was awesome. That dude was yeah. awesome. Like it, he's he's going to be one of the. I, I'm not going to put him in Ernest Jones territory yet. Like he Ernest is. was, Ernest was outstanding dealing with the media. You know, and Ernest had some depth to him as far as um, how he would explain things and just a very uh, genuineness about him. But yeah. obviously, Terrell Dawkins is going to be a, a media favorite. Uh, that, that's already apparent, but. What were some things that, that just caught your attention otherwise, man?
3: I was really impressed with how they talked about Shane Beamer. Um, these are guys that, you know, Terrell Dawkins was part of a team that, you know, was one game out of winning the – was going to the ACC title. game. It was, like, one game away from doing that. And, you know, La, is it Lavassier? How do we pronounce Yeah, Lavassier Carroll. Lavassier, I mean, he was at Georgia, one of, you know, won a national title and said some really good things about the culture. He's been around, you know, title teams. So I was really impressed. And then Antoine Wells, obviously, you know, the, the stuff about the facility and whatnot, but um, I was really impressed with how they talked about culture and the culture that they saw around the building from Beamer. And, you know, these are guys that didn't come from losing programs uh, for the most part. Dawkins was part of a, a rebuild at NC State that, you know, capped at them winning nine or ten games, whatever they won this year. And so they understand what good culture looks like. And for them to be so high on what Beamer's doing and has done, I think says a lot about not only them and understanding what it takes to win, but what, you know, Beamer's been able to do in, you know, 14 months at South Carolina. I I
2: think Gamecock fans have got to – feel pretty good about Antoine Wells as well. There's a good
3: confidence about him there.
2: Yeah, and he he's driven, man. Like I um I, I would uh I would encourage people to go also watch our, our Garnet Trust interview with him, man. He had some good stuff in there just uh, where he opened up a bit about just not wanting to waste his opportunity that he has at South Carolina. And sometimes, you know, Colin when when guys get recruited by 25 power five programs, and it's kind of – it's just expected. It's just known they're going to be playing SEC or ACC or Big Ten ball. Um, you know, you, you you don't quite maybe appreciate it as much. And I, I think with Antoine Wells having to go through Fork Union going to prep school, going to play at James Madison, sort of grinding and working your way up, there's a certain gratefulness um, and a certain appreciation – of the opportunity that he has at South Carolina. And, you know, he, he basically, he told me, he was like, I just, I don't want to screw this up. Like I want to do everything I can, whether it's nutrition with Kristen Coggin and all, all the guys talk so highly of her, um, whether it's the weight room, making sure to to put in the effort every single day. Then of course practice and all the other stuff we're, we're, we talk about, he just doesn't want to miss th- this chance. And I, I think, those are the guys if there's already talent which there obviously is those are the guys that most of the time if they can avoid injuries they, they pay it, it it plays out to where they're making an impact yeah
3: absolutely and and one of the things that beamers talked about building the building the program on is gratitude being thankful you know that you're not only playing college football but doing it in the SEC and doing it at South Carolina. And I think you got that sense from Antoine and from everybody. And and the fact is, I mean, these are all guys that started elsewhere um, that either left because they didn't feel wanted or left for better opportunities. And they found a place where they feel really good about being there. They're happy to be at South Carolina and be in a place that they feel uh, wants them that fits them well that can showcase their talents and i think when you have a group like that that wants to be there and, and wants to work i think that that's that says a lot about south carolina that says a lot about the guys that shane and and, the, and those guys are recruiting and, and i think this is a going to be an incredibly impactful transfer class when you look at the end of the year and see leading tackles and rushing yards and things like that
2: yeah man all, all these guys um are going to have an opportunity to make an impact, and obviously Rattler will take the headlines. But yeah. you know, a guy a guy we didn't hear from, Christian Bill Smith. I, I think I think he's going to be in a position to to push for a starting position. Uh, Antoine Wells, uh, Dawkins. I believe at the I believe at the least Dawkins will be like the third yeah. kind of the end. Um, Devonnie Reed. I think safe bet he's a starter at safety, and that's a guy we didn't even talk about, but a, another very impressive kid who um, who also has I like that word gratitude has gratitude about where he is at um, Colin before we get out of here man uh, we can't not talk about Gigi Jackson uh, wins a state championship in Aiken um, Kendall Smith did a fantastic job heading down there for Gamecock Central um, at, at late notice uh, at yeah. that and yeah. um, Gigi didn't he didn't give exact specifics on how he's going to announce this, on exactly exactly when it's going to play out. But when she asked him, "When do you want to make a decision?" He said, um, "You know, he's going to sit down and, and cut this thing down." And uh, it sounded like try to try to knock this thing out in, in two to three weeks. Um, I, I gotta think that's a good sign for the Gamecocks. It feels like it is trending for them. Then the big question would be also. For What class
3: right You got to hold off the Pro route Um, while we've been Talking he released his top Six spoiler Alert South Carolina is in His top six so you made the First cut now it's about making The final cut Um, You're going to have to hold off the pro Route and you're going to have to hold off Duke I think those are your two biggest competition routes at the Moment Um, But I mean just looking At the optics of it a guy that came off his visit, his official visit, and was like, I'm committing after my senior season, and, or not my senior season, but my, my season, and I'm going to decide if it is my senior season at the same time. And
2: It could uh, be. It was
3: uh, yeah, a year 40-month there maybe. Um, so, he, he, you know, that's the optics of like, hey, well, maybe this this does fit with South Carolina's favor. And, um, I think the momentum towards South Carolina is strong right now. They have to hold off the other pro routes and you know, the other options. But um, if he wants to go ahead and get a start, you know, his clock rolling and, and get to the a college program and, and get in the strength and conditioning program and start there. Um, reclassification seems like a really easy way to do it to where you don't have to uproot and go either stay at Ridgeview or uproot and go play a prep school for a year. then uproot again to go play college ball for a year. And, um, I think there's a lot of momentum towards South Carolina, and, and you know there could be some momentum heading toward reclassifying, but still way too early on the reclassification train to to decide that.
2: Yeah, and and that's a great point you made, man, about the the, the situations there. If if his head coach was still going to be at Ridgeview, it's a different story. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's completely different. But you're talking about if you want to be a 2023, either. You have a completely different coach coming in, and you have to get used to what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. You, you've already accomplished about everything you can at the high school level. Or you, you know, you're going to, if you follow him to, to Oak Hill, which was rumored at some point, at one point. But here's the thing, man, you're, you're completely going way away. You're, you're kind of a hometown guy, they say. You're, you're moving all the way up there.
3: Yeah. Like, to move to Virginia, yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know if that. I don't know if that makes it as much sense. So, mm-hmm. we'll see, man. That they may just look at it and say, "We're going to have nil opportunities in Columbia." That's a given. Um, Frank Martin knows how to develop players. Um, they may look at it and just say that that's that's the best route. But obviously, yeah. only only GG. Um, His father, Greg, you know, and his family um, will—it's their decision. So we'll all sit back and and watch it play out. But it's going to be fun to see what happens. Tell you, it it reminds me of Lattimore a little bit. It really feels like that.
3: Well, Auburn's in the top six. So, (laughs) (laughs) by the
2: way, what what are the uh, what are the top six? I mean, South Carolina, Duke, North Carolina, Auburn.
3: Yeah, so you're at Auburn, Duke, Georgetown, who got, I believe, his first official visit. Uh, the NBA G League, North Carolina, and then, obviously, South Carolina.
2: Wait, G League got, like, a spot? it in- got a little logo,
3: yeah. It's got a little logo between the, the G and the NC for, yeah. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. Yeah. I need uh, to start doing that for, like, when I'm going to go to lunch and just put, like, NBA G League in my lunch plans, like Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, G you know, League? G League.
2: I, I don't think there's an option to predict um, – g-league in the the on three i'll have to go look prediction in there
3: hey, the the rpm predictor is uh jamie shaw churning away and picking a... Yeah.
2: J- jamie flipped the algorithm on its head there it was saying it was saying north carolina which you know in talking to jamie and jamie, jamie does a great job um, yeah Jamie's
3: fantastic. i don't he doesn't seem to think North Carolina's as big of a player as, as some others, and, and I tend to agree with him there.
2: Yeah, so. it it Colin, it feels like it's South Carolina, Duke, or G League. Yeah. I I think if you were to do a top three, that's that's and, what it would be.
3: And there are some pros and cons to the G League portion of it, to where, you know, if you're gonna be a, a two and done or a one and done, do you wanna go have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament? or play in these cool venues like Rupp or Thompson Bowling, or you know, they're going to Georgetown next year if he reclassifies. He could play there. Um, or do you go the G League route and disappears? not the right word, but you don't have the same stage you would as if you were playing on SEC Network or ESPN You know, twice a week for six months or when, however long the season. is. So there's some pros and cons to that one as well.
2: And I think the NIL part of that – um
3: it reshaped that conversation completely.
2: It, it changes it. it. It really does, man. You can go to college and still go ahead and start, um, you know, monetizing uh, your ability on the court. And I, I think I think that was a factor with a guy like Josh Van on the football yeah. side, you know, having a kid, not having to worry about, well, I have to jump to the NFL to, to start bringing in a paycheck. If I'm GG Jackson, that's I'm sure and he's even mentioned it that it is I'm sure that's a huge part of the equation because you're any of those places you go, I mean, I'm sure Duke, there's going to be opportunities like let's yeah. let's not pretend just in Columbia because he's from Columbia. I'm sure Duke people take care of their players. It's just completely and entirely legal to take care of their players now. Yeah. So um so yeah, that, that's a that's a big part of it. Uh, Colin great stuff as always man we'll let you get out of here I know you got some baseball to cover um, so are you are you doing are you baseball tonight Auburn um, basketball on Saturday and then at Clemson on Sunday
3: mm-hmm.
2: okay we're, we're, we're
3: getting the entire southeast uh, road trip in this uh, this weekend
2: yeah so big big weekend for the Gamecocks big weekend for Colin Taylor as well um, once again, want to thank our buddy Clint Hammond for being our sponsor right here on the show. ClintHammond.com, 803 771 6933. You see his picture right there. CHammond at MortgageNetwork.com. And the NMLS number is 71597. Uh, Colin, appreciate it, man. Uh, good luck this weekend and uh, we'll do it again soon. Okay, man.
3: Absolutely. Appreciate it.
2: Yep. It's Colin Taylor. I'm Wessel. You'll have a great weekend and stay tuned in to GamecockCentral.com.
1: tennessee virginia and vermont call one 800 NextStep or text next step to 53342 in arizona 1-8- 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in connecticut 1-800-9 with it in indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ks gambling Help